Hello listeners, I'm Dennis and this is Last Weekend in England for Game Week 14. We are now in the Christmas period. Some people say it's the most exciting football period of the year for the Premier League and to be fair I do agree. There's so many games around. Next week there's two rounds in the span of I think four days. It'll be very difficult the last weekend in England next week. But now let's focus on Game Week 14, some really interesting games in the weekend. So let's start checking them one by one. The weekend started with Crystal Palace against Liverpool. The early game on Saturday at 12.30, Liverpool won 7-0. Minamino, Mane and Firmino scored in the first half. Then Firmino again, Jordan Henderson and Sana twice from the bench. Concluded the result for the Reds. Can't say that I expected that because Crystal Palace have been an uncomfortable opponent for Liverpool lately. And maybe I've fallen victim to the words of Klopp and thought that Liverpool playing on Saturday at 12.30 after a game on Wednesday uh, will prove will prove difficult and they will have they will struggle. Well, they didn't, and it just felt as if everything in attack finally clicked. You know, Minamino played amazing. He scored. Firmino looked really, really well. Like I'd say, way better than in the last year, maybe. Mane scored again. He had a bit of a drought, so good for him again. And uh, you know, these goals won't happen every week, but it was still good to see them. The team perform so well, especially against a strong side. And when we mentioned Salah, he came in, he scored twice, but sadly the main news around him in the last few days have been about his future at Liverpool. I've said numerous times that Fumi Salah is Liverpool's best player, and for me he's top 3 player in the Premier League. However, he does not get the recognition he deserves. When you see his numbers, uh, they're on par with uh, the numbers of Lewandowski and Messi and Ronaldo and Bappe, but he never gets mentioned directly with them, because Liverpool being such an exceptional team, people just assume that he's a system player. And, you know, if you don't care about personal accolades, just like, you know, honesty, Mane seems like he doesn't, you wouldn't care. But if you're a player of Salah's rank and you care about those things, you might feel a little disrespected. I still don't believe that. I refuse to believe that until anything happens. I think Salah will stay in Liverpool and I would love if he does. It wasn't a so good weekend for Crystal Palace. They're not as bad as losing 7-0. But in a season where Liverpool lost 7-2 to Aston Villa, anything can happen and they were just unlucky to be on on the other side uh, of the Merseyside team. This is their first loss with 7 goals at home ever in their history. While in the same time, a little accolade for Jurgen Klopp, he's officially Liverpool's manager with the most wins in the Premier League. He achieves 127 wins in only 196 games. For example, the second, Rafa Benitez, with 126 wins had them in 228 games. Jurgen Klopp is a living legend of Liverpool Football Club. Now what's next for both teams? Crystal Palace visit Aston Villa while Liverpool play against West Bromwich at home. Next was Southampton against Manchester City. Man City won 1-0. Raheem Sterling scored after assist from Kevin De Bruyne. I gotta say that I'm very impressed with City's defence. The Southampton team is, is good. They scored three against Chelsea with Kepa, to be uh, to be honest. Two against Man United. They're a good scoring team. I think they're probably third or fourth, or at least top five in terms of scoring in the Premier League. And the Blues defense was really good against against them. They held them to not scoring a goal. And, you know, after only two clean sheets in the first seven games, they have four in the last six. And seeing John Stones get back to his best form He's really good. I really like John Stones and it's good to see him back and actually replacing Laporte in the starting eleven, which I don't see a lot of people uh, so coming. Yeah, they don't score as much. They scored only one goal again, 
But I'm not going to be concerned with a Pep Guardiola's team offense. They, they are going to start scoring more. Aguero is back now. You know, he, he looks back to full fitness. Uh, for them, fixing defense means a lot because this means that they don't need to score two or uh, they don't need to score like three, four goals now to win a game. They can score one or two goals and they know that they're secure. So I think the City, the city team is slowly but, but surely starting to get back into full into full speed. Southampton has all played very well, very brave. What I like about them is that they play against any every team the same. They kind of have two gameplays. One is when they hold the ball more, and one is when they hold the ball less, depending on the opponent. But in both situations, they're really good. As I said before, I don't think they're going to challenge for the Champions League, and losses like this against City are going to slowly set them to their likely position. But for them, games against the likes of Newcastle, Crystal Palace, Fulham, and teams from the mid-table are what's important. And, you know, uh, as I said, they have kind of two gameplays, one when they hold the ball more, one they, where they hold the ball less. This was the first game this season where they lost after having the ball less. So, again, it just speaks for, for the way they can adjust to the opponent, but in the same time keep the most important aspects of their game. And talking about Kevin De Bruyne, he assisted again. He has 15 assists this calendar year. He has the most in the Premier League and only once he has had more in one year, which is in 2017 with 18. And in all fairness, there's two games in 2020, so he might beat that record. What's next for both teams? Southampton visit Fulham, while City play at home against Newcastle United. In the next game on Saturday, Everton faced Arsenal. They won 2-1. Rob Holding scored an own goal, then Nicola Pepe equalized from the penalty spot, but Kerry Mina scored in the 45th minute with a header to bring Everton the win. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Christmas 2020 and Everton are indeed in the Champions League and hell, even in the title race. Yes, they have already proven that they are very inconsistent and can easily lose next four games, but it is what it is. We will have Christmas this year with Everton being fourth. That happens without their captain, without their left back, without their top by this summer. Carlo Ancelotti, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, it is also Christmas of 2020 and Arsenal are in the bottom 10 of the table. And hell, even in the relegation battle. Yes, this team has quality in its squad, is still 4 points away from the bottom 3 and can easily go on a good streak to come out of the slump. But it is what it is. We will have Christmas this year with Arsenal being 15th. This happens after firing their mascot, after not playing Mesut Uzu but paying him absurd money and after giving players over 30 years of age very lucrative contracts. Mikel Arteta, everybody. In fact, in 11 games under Arteta now, the team hasn't won since trailing at halftime. The Gunners just don't know how to react when the other team leads in the first half and approves again and again. This is the first time Everton will finish top 4 in 16 years. In 2004, they finished top 4 uh, for Christmas and they ended up qualifying for, for the Champions League in front of Liverpool that season. Can they do it again? We're, we're about to see. And what's next for both teams? Everton visit Sheffield United, while Arsenal play against Chelsea at Emirates. Last game on Saturday was Newcastle against Fulham. Finished 1-1, Matt Ritchie scored an on goal, but then Callum Wilson equalized from the penalty spot. Honestly, I don't know what was funnier. Madrid's own goal or the ref's decision on that penalty. 
And let's start with Matt Ritchie's own goal. I have to say that I used to love watching shows and videos with bloopers before. You know, just funny situations, funny on goals, funny tackles, funny reactions. And this one will surely get into one of those compilations. And the penalty, I would assume you're probably going to get into a compilation of weird VAR decisions. Because I just don't understand how can you see that on repeat and decide that it's a pen. I really have no idea. And I'm starting to support the argument for referees having microphones more and more. Because I would have loved to hear the ref's explanation on that one. Let's talk about both teams though. What I like about Fulham is that we know what they are currently. They play quick, competitive football and they're trying to grind points to stay in the Premier League. What is Newcastle? I know it feels like I pick on them on a weekly basis, but it's because for me they're one of the few teams that don't have a clear goal this season. I've said since day one that for me they will be in the relegation battle, which until now they have avoided due to getting results. But how long could they keep that? Playing, playing not really impressively, but still getting results. And what I mean by that, see some situations this, this, this year. So they drew against Spurs after a horrendous decision in, in other time. This is one point they won. Then they drew against Wolves after being completely outplayed and Jacob Murphy scoring a free kick, which he hasn't scored since and he hasn't scored before that. And they won against Crystal Palace where Joe Ellington did something that he hasn't done until and after scoring and providing a really good assist. So these are four points that Newcastle won from situations where I believe they shouldn't have won them. Without those four points, Newcastle would be 14th and on par with Arsenal. Of course, I don't wish the team anything bad but for me, they're the most unimpressive side. And if there's a team that I would pick to, to, to get relegated, must must be Newcastle, in all fairness. The one thing that's making a huge difference for them is definitely Callum Wilson. He already has 8 goals in 12 games. He had 8 goals in 35 games for Bournemouth last season. So he's definitely been amazing since joining the Jordies. And what's next for them is a visit to Etihad to play against Man City, while Fulham hosts Southampton. Last game on Saturday was Newcastle against Fulham, finished 1-1, Matt Ritchie scored an on goal, but then Callum Wilson equalised from the penalty spot. Honestly, I don't know what was funnier, Matt Ritchie's on goal, or the ref's decision on that penalty. And let's start with Matt Ritchie's on goal, I have to say that I used to love watching shows and videos with bloopers before, you know, just funny situations, funny on goals, funny tackles, funny reactions, and this one will surely get into one of those compilations. And the penalty... I would assume you're probably going to get into a compilation of weird VAR decisions because I just don't understand how can you see that on repeat and decide that it's a pen. I really have no idea and I'm starting to support the argument for referees having microphones more and more because I would have loved to hear the ref's explanation on that one. Let's talk about both teams though. What I like about Fulham is that we know what they are currently. They play quick, competitive football and they're trying to grind points to stay in the Premier League. What is Newcastle? I know it feels like I pick on them on a weekly basis, but it's because for me they're one of the few teams that don't have a clear goal this season. I've said since day one that for me they will be in the relegation battle, which until now they have avoided due to getting results. But how long could they keep that? Playing, playing not really impressively, but still getting results. And what I mean by that, see some situations this, this, this year. So they drew against Spurs after a horrendous decision in, in other time. This is one point they won. Then they drew against Wolves after being completely outplayed and Jacob Murphy scoring a free kick, which he hasn't scored since and he hasn't scored before that. And they won against Crystal Palace where Joe Ellington did something that he hasn't done until and after scoring and providing a really good assist. So these are four points 
that Newcastle won from situations where I believe they shouldn't have won them. Without those four points, Newcastle would be 14th and on par with Arsenal. Of course, I don't wish the team anything bad, but for me, they're the most unimpressive side. And if there's a team that I would pick to, to, to get relegated, must must be Newcastle, in all fairness. The one thing that's making a huge difference for them is definitely Callum Wilson. He already has 8 goals in 12 games. He had 8 goals in 35 games for Bournemouth last season. So he's definitely been amazing since joining the Jordies. And what's next for them is a visit to Etihad to play against Man City, while Fulham hosts Southampton. The big game from the top of the Premier League this weekend was Tottenham Hotspurs against Leicester. Leicester won 2-0 after James Vardy scored from the penalty spot and Anongo secured the win for the Foxes. I was looking forward to this game because when Spurs play Liverpool, you kind of know how they will play. They will defend and they will play on the counter-attack. But what about a team that is also stronger when not holding the ball? I was very surprised because in certain games, Leicester looked like the most disciplined team in the world and they did that against Spurs. The way they defended in the last 15 minutes was exemplary. And the Foxes are second again. You know, when discussing them this season, I kind of feel like I'm bipolar because it's so easy to find both positives and negatives for them after wins or losses. But one thing is always a guarantee. Jamie Vardy will score from the penalty. Serge Aurier, on the other side, have been, have, was very disappointing. After having one of the most spectacular defensive performances from a right-back I've seen lately against Liverpool, he comes out and does that. I think we're already aware of uh, of the Amazon Prime show about Tottenham and where dialogue between Mourinho and Aurier, where Mourinho told him exactly that, that he's just, you know, he's prone to mistakes and to, and to blunders, which can cause Spurs serious trouble. And that just shows why Doherty was brought. It was for a reason. And I think that now it will be a time where Doherty will get back to the, to the starting 11. And the thing is that this is not a one-time thing for Aurier. Since joining Spurs, he's given out four penalties, and only David Lewis has given more in the same period, with five. Harry Kane was also quite quiet again. This is the first time this season he fails to score or assist in consecutive games, so I can only imagine what is awaiting some of Spurs' next opponents. And for them, their next game is against Wolves away, while Leicester play against Man United at home. Next was Man United against Leeds, and what a spectacle it was. Man United won 6-2. Scott McTominay scored twice in the first three minutes, Bruno scored twice, Victor Lindelof and Daniel James added one goal for United, and Cooper and Dallas scored for Leeds. I kind of feel like an idiot for thinking that Leeds will take points from United for this game, and I have to admit that Ole really did show his tactical prowess in the match. The way that Bruno Fernandes was dismantling Leeds' defense in the first half was ridiculous. It happened like five or six times, and every time it was the same. Bruno would drop back, take Calvin Phillips with him, then a pass from McTominay or Fred, cheeky back heel, and then the space left from Calvin Phillips would just be conquered by Man United's double pivot. And I usually don't rate McTominay particularly high, but in this game he did look very good. However, he's not an attacking midfielder, and the way that Leeds defended is not the way most teams defend, so I'm still not going to get on the hype train for him too early. And Leeds, as entertaining as they are, are shambolic on defense. That Daniel James goal looked like the kind of goal of a 6 side team concedes because they're all there to play a bit of football for an hour and then and they just don't want to defend. They just look like they, they're not bothered to defend. I actually believe that Bielsa 
although being so keen on his philosophy and attacking football, is a manager of a stature where he will commit to changes in which will fortify his defense. Because I'm sure he sees he sees this game and he, he knows that Leeds cannot defend this way. We also have to admit that they have uh, they have defenders missing. Uh, Luke Ayling is not a centre-back and Stuart Dallas is not a right-back and Alioski is typically not a left-back. But hey, how many Leeds games are in the top 10 games of the season? So again, just like with Brighton, the fact that they are quite bad and not getting enough points doesn't mean that I don't appreciate the football they play and I just want them to be better because I I enjoy them. Bruno Fernandes was on it again. Two goals, one assist. Since he joined United, only Liverpool has won more points than them and they still haven't lost an away game in the period. Bruno Fernandes is changing this team's culture. And another hero in red from the game is Daniel James. He scored his first Premier League goal after August 2019. I remember when he debuted for United then and he looked like the real deal. I think he scored maybe three goals in four games or something like that. Well, he hasn't been that good from then on, but maybe he can make his push back in the team. What's next for both teams? Man United visit Leicester, while Leeds play at home against Burnley. And the last game on Sunday was West Bromwich Albion against Aston Villa. Sam Allardyce's debut. Aston Villa won 3-0. El Ghazi scored twice. And Bertrand Traore uh, added another one for Aston Villa. I want to start by talking about a red card. So Livermore's challenge was stupid. It was, uh, it was aggressive. It deserved a red. I agree with that. But the way Grealish simulated after that for me was quite embarrassing. Because Livermore barely touched Villa's captain, and he played it as if he broke his leg. For me, simulations, just like flops in the NBA, should be punishable because they can have an impact on the ref's decisions, albeit less with VAR, but they can still have impact, and I just don't like them in the game, I really don't. Apart from that, another comfortable win for Aston Villa, who just like Everton, having started very, very well, and then they had bad streak, but now they're back in the mix of the top teams. They also have two games less, uh, than most teams. They have 12, most teams have 14. So that puts them in again in a good situation. One of the games is against Newcastle, the other is against City, so who knows what they can do. But most importantly, this is their second clean sheet in a row. They're top of the league in terms of clean sheets with the least amount of games. They have 7 in 12. This game in particular, West Bromwich Albion had only one shot. So, great performance for the villains again. They now have 7 wins in 12 games which is half the time they needed last year to record 7 wins, and the most wins in opening 12 games since 1998-1999 season. This is more than 20 years. Sam Allardyce usually starts stronger than this. Until now, he had only one loss in his first game as a manager, with this one being the second. This is going to be his biggest challenge yet, I think, to keep West Bromwich in the Premier League. So let's see what he can do. Let's see if he can prove that he is the relegation specialist. His next game is not really easy. In all fairness, West Bromwich Albion visit Liverpool at Anfield, while Aston Villa hosts Crystal Palace. The early game on Monday was Burnley against Wolverhampton. Burnley managed to win 2-1 after Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes scored for them, while Fabio Silva got one goal for the Wolves back late in the game from a penalty. Burnley are really going to do it again. After looking so bad first few games, the rise continues and now they're 16th, they have a point more than Brighton and they have a game less, which if they win, they can go 15th after Arsenal. What's more is that in this game, they had a good number of clean chances, they actually played better than Wolverhampton, I believe. 
and looked the better team for a bigger part of the game. There was a time earlier this season that I thought that they might get relegated because, you know, I looked at their season since they came back to the Premier League in 2016, and they basically they do one really good season and then they do one quite mediocre. I thought that finally, just you know, not having that many good players will catch up to them, but now I believe that they will continue to grind points. Sean Dyche is just a really good manager, and I do think that they will be able to survive. I'm quite excited about Josh Bronhill in their team. The guy has already played more games this season than the last, 12 this season to 10 last. He has the third most shots after Burnley's two strikers, Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood. And this game he hit the post and was very close from a free kick. He's third in passes completed, he's third in key passes, but he also leads in tackles with 31. He has the second most pressures, joint second for most blocks, and most interceptions by a mile. He has 25 to only 13 from the second James Tarkovsky. He's been doing it all on offense, on defense, and I could see him becoming an even more important part of Burnley this season when his goals and assists start to come. It was a bad day for Wolverhampton. This is another loss and another not good performance scoring-wise. They have the sixth worst offense in the league, and they fail to score more. They they fail to score more than one uh, on nine occasions this season, and they have they haven't scored more than two goals in the league since July twelfth. So I think it's very clear, as I've said it before, that they need to buy a striker in the winter. On a bright note, Fabio Silva did score for them this game. He's now their youngest ever goal scorer in the Premier League, and he's the second youngest penalty scorer since Michael Owen. And what's next? Burnley visit Leeds, while Wolverhampton play at home against Tottenham Hotspurs. The second game on Monday was Chelsea against West Ham, a nice London derby to finish the game week. The Blues won 3-0, Thiago Silva scored with a header in the first half, and then Tammy Abraham scored twice, very quickly in the second, to conclude the, the victory for Chelsea. And they're back in the mix. You know, in this hyper-connected era where we discuss every single game and, you know, every single movement of a player. Two losses could feel like crisis and contribute to spiraling down even more, but that didn't happen with Chelsea. Bear in mind that West Ham are a tough team to beat this year and they were very much in the game until Chelsea's second, which came in a perfect moment. However, coming into the week of Christmas with a three-goal win, with a clean sheet against the top 10 side, is the perfect way to do it for Chelsea and Lamps. And I think that Lamps should stick to what Chelsea are good at. You know, corners are obviously a very, very strong strong tool for Chelsea. Kante at CDM, for me, is a must and should not be touched from there. They need to have speed on the wings. And they need a poacher on top, be it Tammy Abraham or Olivier Giroud. Havertz was on the bench this game and I expect him to stay there more because both Pulisic, Timo Werner, Hakim Ziyech, and I would even say Callum Hudson-Odoi right now, are better choices than him. And in the mid... Kante as the CDM and then Kovacic on, and Mount on his on on his sides is the undisputed midfield tree at the moment. David Moyes' team struggled quite a lot at Stamford Bridge. The manager is without a win in any of his 16 visits to London, having lost 9 of them. It is the highest number of games to play and not win away at a certain stadium, and it's equal only to his record at Anfield as well. This is West Ham's worst loss this season, they haven't lost with more than two goals difference prior to this game. Now they did it. I don't think it will shake them too much. You know, after the loss to Man United, they bounced back pretty quickly. I think they will be able to do it again. What's next for them is that they play against Brighton at home, while Chelsea visit Arsenal. 
it's time for player of the round. This week it is Mohamed Salah. It was quite tight between him and Bruno Fernandes. They both had two goals and uh, one assist. However, Mohamed Salah did it by coming off from the bench and he also scored one worldie. He also be is now back on the top of the goal scoring list in England with 13 goals and he didn't score from the penalty. So that's why Mohamed Salah is the player of the round. He was sensational. He's been sensational all year long and let's hope that he can keep his good form. Now it's time for predictions overview. Last week I predicted that Liverpool will beat Palace. That was my comfort pick. It was quite successful. And then my hot pick was that Leeds will take anything from Old Trafford. Well, they didn't. They lost quite embarrassingly. So that was definitely not a good prediction. Now for next round, my comfort pick was that Everton will beat Sheffield United and will take the three points. While my hot pick is that Arsenal will win against Chelsea. That was everything for today and game week 14. Christmas is on Friday, so I wish everyone happy holidays. And until next time.